Welcome to the One Hand at a Time podcast. I'm your host, Chris Welton, and I have a special guest for you today. He is a father, a husband, best-selling author, keynote speaker, life changer, and someone I get to call my friend. Welcome, Renee. Good to be here, brother. Thank you. Man, this is just, it's surreal for me because of the way we've connected, and we'll get into that later, but I want to jump right out, and anybody that knows who Renee is or seen you, the, the trajectory you're on right now is just... On, like you're on fire, the growth. And, and I want to really jump into that right away. And how did we get to where we are right now? It seems like everything is lining up. And I know it's that overnight success that took 29 years, that kind of story. And I don't, I want to make sure we, we keep in your CEO, who's an absolute boss. I want to make sure we mention the CEO along the journey as well. So <laughs> she definitely is the boss. No, it's been, it's been wild. You know, I think that <clears throat> the, the perception is, is a, um, a trajectory right now and it's momentum and and it's weird i just see it the same the way that i've seen it over the last 20 some years and it's just keep every day is a grind every day we're pushing every day we're selling every day we're trying to get more efficient now it's just different in a sense of different efficiencies different challenges who do we say yes to who do we have to say no to <clears throat> how do you clarify things sooner versus later being more efficient on time and so you know, how we got here, I guess, <clears throat> I was telling somebody the other day and they, they watch, you know, how many podcasts I'm on and how many calls I'm taking, how many, um, just even just the things that a lot of people maybe wouldn't do and, and they don't realize how much work it takes to, to continually stay relevant, I guess, and how much work that, you know, maybe isn't as glamorous, not maybe, just isn't as glamorous, but you do it anyways because it's right. You do it anyways because it fits the mission of what you're trying to do. And I think when you put that stuff first, it it does to start to accumulate after time. And I think this is where the sort of the cumulative effect of critical mass is starting to take effect. Yeah, it, it's amazing. I know I, I connected with you last fall and then we really started a relationship in January and just the growth from then as the book came out and everything starts stacking up on top of each other. You continue to stack wins. I want to know, and, and I'll steal this from, from our, our friend, Ben Newman, but what did the unseen hours look like? You know, we see you on social media. We, we see you on podcasts. We see you at events. What does it look like when you're in the dark trying to figure out what that next thing's going to be or how do we stay on task? <laughs> the unseen hours. God, who, who does not love Ben Newman? You know, for me, there's a lot that people don't see, just like anything, right? It's, it's the you know, the, the constant reading, reading and updating, learning and staying fresh. And, you know, I was, I was listening to another podcast uh, from Joe Rogan and it, it helped me even understand me. And it's, you know, for his comedy bits, it takes one month to develop 10 minutes of material and six months you get an hour. And I was like, that's, that, that might be right. It might be even longer for what I do. And, but in those minutes, you're, you're, you're creating things in a vacuum ideas, but you have to put those ideas to the test constantly. Like in Joe, he has to go to open mic nights and test things out for months to see, cause there's a, there's a difference between having an idea in your head and then putting an idea in front of an audience. And then a big thing be, be, before you put that on paper. And because if you're going to say something out loud to a group of smart people, Someone's going to call you out if you're off, if you're wrong, if you don't make sense, if you're um, not congruent. 
someone's going to call you out. So you have to run scenarios of every angle. You have to test things out for months, if not years. And I tell people that if you hear me talk about something on stage, I've probably been working that idea for two to three years before it makes it to a stage. And so by the time I get to a stage, it's tested. I've heard every question. I've dealt with almost every possible scenario. And so I'm not worried about where it's going to go. I've already tested it. I know the joke is funny. I know that the point hits home. I'm not testing it on stage. These are tested in other places. And so, and those are non-glamorous places. Those are places that are, you know, one-on-one conversations, smaller rooms, um, you know, happy hours with friends, you know, maybe a conversation after a keynote with somebody just testing it out, you know, with family, whatever it is, but it's a constant constant exploration of what you think and what you believe. I, what, what I really appreciate about you is the fact that you, I know you test those things out and you evolve them because the, the Amplify events I've been to with you in a room sec two times now, it had, it evolved. It was earlier in the year and then later this year. It's amazing how that evolves and it got, it became more current. Like I expected to go in and kind of have the same thing I was before. And I was like, wait a minute, this isn't the same. This is it has evolved with the topics and what time and what is, what is happening. And I, and I really believe that's the reason why you have this massive growth spurt because you are staying on task and on topic. You haven't gotten that first round draft pick lazy syndrome, right? Where they get, they draft and the next thing you know, they're not working hard. You're just continuing to push forward and help people. And I really enjoy the way that you spent, like you and I've spent some quality time together and you, you showed concern for me in, in my growth and what I was trying to accomplish. And I know that's not just me. That's, that's who Renee is. Renee does that. H- how do you still find time for that, Renee, to help individuals that you just become friends with and still grow and try to help the masses? Is, is it a balancing act? I mean, what, what's happening there? I think we have more time than we realize, you know, and so... To me, and, and one, thank you, and I appreciate that, and, and I'm just, I'm inspired by you, brother, and, and what you've done, and what you continue to do, and who you are, it, it's, it's, I love your attitude, I love how you approach things, and um, I just, I think you're one of a kind, so that to me was very natural. Thank you, I appreciate that. But I think that it, I tell people, say, okay, we want to affect the world, we all want to change the world somehow, I want to add something to that, I want to change the world around me, and because that's the only world that can affect right now. And sometimes, like right now, the world around me is you and I. It's just you and I. I see your face. Now, when this podcast launches, it will have an exponential effect. And hopefully those that are listening, when you listen, those of you right now listening, you are now part of the world around me. And hopefully I can affect that. And the best way is to be as as as, as present as I can right now. So if I'm one-on-one with somebody, they're that world around me. And if I can be and maybe change the world around me, that might be just one person or if there's two people involved. And then if on stage, then it's a bigger stage. I have that world around me. If I'm with my family or if I'm with my kids, they're the world around me. And so to me, it's about staying as present as I can in those moments and over time that accumulates. And so if I start thinking about changing, you know, affecting the masses when I'm talking to somebody one-on-one, I'm not affecting anyone because the masses aren't in front of me and, and I'm in front of this person who I'm really not in front of them. I'm somewhere else. And so to me, it's about who's in front of you and being fully engaged there. That is so good. That is so good. That's so hard though. <laughs> it's so hard. Like I, I, as you're saying it, I'm like going, I, I'm, I get kind of nervous just thinking about that because my brain is always going in different directions. But I know you're genuine with that because I've experienced it and I've seen you with other people as well. It's, it, it's like a superpower you have to be able to 
separate that from other things? I mean, where did that come from, Renee? Like, where did you learn that piece? And I I am by no means perfect at it at all because I have, I suffer from ADD, just like a lot of us probably listening to this. And so I just, I'm just a lot more honest about my ADD now. And so if I'm talking to somebody and they're not present, I'll just tell them like, I am, my brain is a thousand different directions. Can we pick this up in like 20 minutes? Or I've got to go do this and then I'll come back to you. I've even had somebody, I said, you know, if I go, I got to get this book case downstairs. It was after an event. Somebody wanted to talk and I was, I was like, I can't just yet, but if you come with me in about five minutes, I can, but you're going to have to follow me downstairs. And you know what? You want to carry this? <laughs> and they helped me carry shit downstairs. And you know, we don't talk much. We kind of laugh and joke on the way and there's people talking, but then by the time we get downstairs, I put the book down, turn around in her face and say, okay, talk to me. And so to me, it's, trying to be as present as I can. And I don't know it's I don't know if it's a skill or if it's an awareness. And to me the awareness comes down to the fact that I know we talk about ethos that a credibility, I don't own my credibility. I don't own the ethos my audience does. And so I have to enter a servant mindset when I'm on stage or I'm I'm being hired to be there because the moment I lose sight of that thinking that this is something bigger than it is, I'm not serving anyone. I'm serving myself. And I don't believe that the goal of life is to be happy. I believe the goal of life is to be of service of others. And so that to me is when I'm in, in, in my best place, if you will. I, I love that. Sir, the service of others and servant leadership is something that I, I, I'm programmed or I've learned to be part of every single day. And that's one of the reasons I'm so into learning. You know, I, I follow the acronym CAT, which is change, apply, and teach mm. anytime I read or listen or whatever. So that helps me become that better leader or that better coach. And I got to tell you, being able to be in a room with you for two and a half days, twice in the last 12 months has been a life-changing experience for me on so many levels. And that was the main reason I wanted you to be my first guest ever on my podcast. I just felt that I owed it to everyone that I will listen to this to be able to share the experience that I've had with you in my life because it's just been an, it's surreal. Like I, I was talking to my wife in the room a few minutes ago before we started recording and she's like, are you nervous? I'm like, no, I'm not nervous. I can talk to Renee all the time. Like Good. we just have this from the first day we met. So how did you get to the point to where it's like, okay, I want to set up this two and a half day intense amplify event. How did you get to that Renee? And, and what was your, I mean, Obviously, it's just blossomed. What when you first started doing it? How did you get there, and what what were your projections? What did you think that would create? Well, it it came out of um, demand. Meaning, clients would ask me, "Can you teach me? Can you help me be a better speaker? Can you help me do this? Can you help me? Can you help me?" And I was like, "Well, I don't see it as public speaking, and I see it as influence in front of a room, and there's a, there's a different mentality because being a public speaker can be entertaining, but I'm not interested in being entertaining." I want, I want to be effective and there's a, there's just a different mindset and a different science behind that. And so it, it came from, you know, doing private events with, with corporations and their leadership teams. And then somebody said, you know, we should do one and open it up, but we didn't have the, 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 what's the word? We didn't have the, the, um, the skill set within the organization to do event planning. We just didn't have the resources for it. People that, you know, dealing with hotels and all that stuff. And I didn't want to do it. And we finally did one in like 2011 and it was awesome, powerful, life-changing. And I'm like, I'm never doing that again. It was too much work. And so then I went <laughs> private again and probably five years ago, 
a group said, we want you to do that event. We'll help you with the first one. We want you to just prove it. That's when we came up with the name Amplify. It used to be called Professional Influence or Executive Influence. And um, we came up with Amplify and that took off. And I was like, okay, so maybe we'll do four in a year. We ended up doing 24. And then we're like, okay, actually, no, it was like, it was like 18 or something like that. And then the next year we did 33 and then, you know, 35. And so it's, it's, it's one of those things that just started growing. And when you have that level of transformation with people, people share it. And we did a really good job of capturing the video of it, of certain ones, and just really being able to share that. So it was one of those things that, um, I think at the end became the core of most of what I talk about, which is, you know, sales leadership and change, but at the core of all that is influence. Yeah. And it's funny when you, when people talk about influence, I had a totally different opinion of what influence was until obviously I spent some time with you and, um, influence is such a powerful, positive thing. And sometimes we think of it as a negative thing. I'm sure it can be negative as well. When I sit down with people now, who know that I've been, I've read, I've read the book and I've spent time with, with you. They're like, man, you really have taken that on. I'm, I'm like, everybody should do that. And inside our organization, we're working on that right now, making sure everybody's read the book and, and, and taking that into account. But let's talk about somebody who's never heard of Renee before. They just happened to pick up this podcaster at the gym. What would your, what would your influence, what would your example of influence be just off the cuff? The easiest way to understand influence is the opposite of it and the way we look at it. So, and that's a philosophical approach too, is understanding the opposite. You know, you know everything through its opposite. So the opposite of influence would be walking in a room and no one noticing, telling a joke, no one laughing, selling a product, no one buying, casting a vision and no one following. That feeling is one of feeling invisible, but most, most, but most likely feeling insignificant. And we feel insignificant because we have no impact. And I would say that the lack of influence is probably one of the worst of human experiences. I try to affect the world and nothing happens. And then we go, I do, do I even matter here? And think of all of the mindset and mental shit that follows the feeling like you don't matter. And so then, okay, let's turn that around. I walk in a room, people notice. I tell a joke, people laugh. I sell a product, people buy. I cast a vision, people feel inspired and follow. What's the feeling now? I feel like I matter. The feeling of significance. Why? Because I actually now have impact. I do something and the world changes, it shifts in some way, shape, or form. And so to me, influence is about having that impact on the world, but getting people to listen to an idea and then also acting on it. So it applies to every avenue of life, both personally and professionally. I couldn't agree more. I, I, I sit here as you're saying that I, I got that pit in my stomach of, of everything you're saying. I said a joke, no one laughed, no one cares. And then all of a sudden my head starts going in that direction that is somewhere I don't want to be. Yeah. So I, I want to share a question that I asked <laughs> you recently. And, and I, cause I came in, I said, Renee, I feel like I have imposter syndrome. And I think that if anybody's listening to this and you're on a treadmill or whatever, you don't have a pen handy, you better replay this because this, this definition of imposter syndrome is like it, it unbelievable. So Ray, I'm gonna let you take away imposter syndrome. Well, I think I, I spent a lot of time talking about it because it became kind of a, um, a cachet term in 2022, right? Everybody's talking about imposter syndrome. I'm like, okay, well, what is this? Because I feel it, I understand it. And 
it's that feeling of, God, do I even belong here? <clears throat> and so the thing that I came to understand is that imposter syndrome is something we all feel. And so I'm not special for feeling it because we all feel it. It's normal. And, but the best definition I heard, and it might've been from Dr. Jordan Peterson, he said, all imposter syndrome is and means is that you've leveled up in some status in your life in some way, shape or form. You've leveled up in status somewhere and you feel like an imposter because guess what? At first you are, you don't know what the hell is going on. <clears throat> I've never been a best-selling author before. So when I first happened, I'm like, God, do I really deserve this? Did I trick people into this? Did I game the system? I'm like, what did I do? Like, <laughs> yeah, what, what, no, I'm like, holy shit. Well, actually people bought it. Like, okay, well, we had an imposter syndrome when we did our last big um, virtual event. And we saw, man, 2,300 people showed up. And imposter syndrome when we did our first AmpCon, 600 people show up, showed up. Standing room only. I'm like, okay, hold on a second. And then when you realize that it's just leveling up in a status, and then you go, okay. Pull up a pad of paper and a pen and take notes. And if I can just do that and take it from that approach, because someone knows how to deal with this, and I'm going to go learn from them. Put my student hat on for a week, two weeks. Pretty soon, you don't feel like an imposter. You, you realize, okay, I can handle this. And, and if you can't, and you're in over your head, good. You should be, always. There's a great quote that says, I admire the person who bit off more than they can chew and then chews it. Yes, I'm, I'm going to mark that quote down because that's, I love that. So Renee, you, you, you kind of segued into this. Let's talk about the advantages people have today in the market where they, because they can find you on YouTube, obviously Ted Talk, we can follow people on social media. We can grow at a lot faster pace now these, in this certain market, in this market with all the technology. And I know you've made some really good connections and become friends with some people who've elevated your game along the way as well. Can we talk about that a little bit? Like over the last 12 months or so, I know that you've, you've connected with Brad Lee and that's been, been strong, but how important is that for people to be able to have access to that right now? Well, I think we know the cliche. You are the average and the sum average of the people that you hang around with. And all that means is, is that people around you really affect what you think about and the thought process, how big you think, how small you think, how much you complain, your perspective, the frames you choose, the narratives that are constructed to, to explain things around you. And so when we think about, we are that average of the people we hang around, and that that affects how we think, how we, how we describe the world, whether positively or negatively, whether we see opportunities or not, whether someone's thinking with a certain amount of zeros or they add a couple zeros and they're thinking it's that easy, you are affected by that. Any, any way you, you, you look at it. And so to me, when I, it's the same approach I took to basketball. I wanted to be the slowest on the court, the worst on the court. If I could be the worst on the court, I was always getting better. And why not be the worst one in business? Why not be the, why not be the poorest guy in the room? That's a, God, what, what a great thing to be. It's like, these guys are all killing me. Perfect room to be in. Take notes, right? Well, these guys are doing X way. If I'm always the king, I'm not getting better. If I'm always the best, I'm not getting better. And so you have to have a, a strong sense of self to do that. Because I know, I also know that they're not the king of everything. I know I'm good at certain things. They're just <laughs> better at this one thing I want to get good at. Very few people are better at everything than, than, than you, right? And so, like, I know some people that are much better at money than me, but they're not good at relationships. I know people that I'm, I'm better at money than them, but, you know, um, they've got, um, you know, relationships down or whatever it is. And I want to learn how to, how to be better like that. We can all learn something. And so choose what you want to be around. And then 
How do you, how, who, how can you get into those networks? And the best way to, to, to gain access to the network you need is to feed it. Every network is hungry for something. And if you spend 100% of your energy feeding that network what it's hungry for, very soon it'll feed you. But you got to feed. I remember, I'll give you one story. So we were in, um, I was part of this thing called the President's Network years ago. I was in way over my head. I was way young. I was in my early 20s. And these were all presidents of banks and energy companies and Medtronic and Excel Energy. And there was one guy who started a boutique bank. And it was awesome. Two to 300 customers, no signage on the wall. It was like a speakeasy bank. The tellers were vice presidents. You walked in as mahogany and granite everywhere. And it was so cool. It was two to 300 of the perfect ideal clients for me. These are all entrepreneurs, people with money. And so I became friends with Reed, who was the CEO and the president. And I took tours of that bank and I would bring my clients and people that I knew that were affluent every single week. And I'd say, you know, I'd say, text Reed and say, Hey, I got somebody wanting to give it a tour. He'd come out and the president would come out and give him a tour of the bank. And it, one, it made me look cool, but it also brought new customers to this bank. Now, after a few months, guess what? I'd show up. They'd be like, well, yeah, go ahead and give him a tour. I was the tour guide. I learned every aspect of every angle of that bank. They loved having me around. And so guess what? I fed that network. And if I ever needed something, it was a phone call away. But that spent years developing that. Now, when the book came, that was good 27 years of equity built up where I really didn't ask for much. And a few phone calls to the right people. And all of a sudden, the masses started buying. And so it's that level of influence is long-term built by feeding a network of the right people. So if I want to, if someone wants to feed, they want to connect with some, somebody else, they want to connect with you or feed that network. What does that look like today, Renee? Well, I mean, you got to understand what, what they're hungry for, right? Like what, what is, what's Renee hungry for? Like what is, what is, you know, I'm looking for keynotes and people to buy, amplify the book and, and the course. And, you know, those are things that I'm looking at. You know, you get me into another TED talk, get me uh, into Harvard Business Review. Like those are, those are great ways to feed me. And, you know, and I, I'm looking at the people that I need, what do they need? And I'm, and I'm feeding them all the time. And even if it's at a loss, I'm, I've sent people that were ready to buy me, but I'm like, nah, you should probably get this other course first. And I call them up. I'm like, Hey, it's done. And they're like, wow, thank you so much. And all of a sudden, you know, it's, well, I lost six grand or did I gain a relationship for life? It's, it's, and, and the thing, what drives that, what's best for the customer. And so to me, if you do that long enough, and here's the thing though, none of this happens overnight. None of it. There is no shortcut. Now there's shortcuts to do things better, but the equity is built over time. That's just how it works. Interest compounds over time. It doesn't compound overnight. Same as relationships. Same as your network, same as your influence. Yeah, I love it when people talk about relationships or the new currency, right? I mean, you just, we have to build those relationships and always bring something of value. I try to come from a point of value anytime I'm in conversations or communication with somebody. What, you know, I may not have that big network, but what can, what's, what's something small I can do? What can I do to help get Renee out there more or whoever that is? And, and I come to an event and I bring somebody with me, right? I bring somebody with me to the event. Renee, look, I brought somebody with me. This is what I'm trying to do. I'm going to try to help get you out there even more so. I, I really enjoy the fact that for me, watching you, if you don't follow you on social media, they need to follow on social media. It's 
the new ones learn with learn, learn with, with Renee. Renee with Renee. Yeah. Learn with Renee. I don't know how, I don't know that you sleep like I'm watching you and it's like you're nonstop. It's one event an event an event. And I know that you're probably home now um, just because I know what your office looks like, <laughs> but what is that? How's that been for you? I mean, the constant travel you're on the road and, and I know you, you have a wonderful wife and kids. How's, how's that? Is it, is, is this a short game as far as that's concerned to put more things in place or what does that look like? Right well, now? it's, it's definitely not a balance game and you know, the people go for balance and balance is BS. It's not the goal. It's, it's an impossible thing to achieve. And I don't think it's what you really want. To me, I want two things. I want integration. So my wife travels with me for a majority of the events. And how do I know that? Well, she plans the events. She runs all of that stuff. And second, I want harmony. And harmony is much better than balance. Because harmony is we're both playing a different, sometimes play a different tune, but we both are in, in the same timeline. Right? We're, we're in agreement on what we're playing. Yeah, sometimes it's hard for us, but we both know and we both have part of this process to make it happen. And so the harmony and integration is, is there. So, you know, I had to work out the other night. And um, her son, Parker, wanted to play catch. And, and I just brought him. I was on the treadmill. He's in front. And we played catch for 30 minutes while I'm on the treadmill. He had a blast. My 30 minutes went super fast. We bonded. I loved it. He loved it. Total integration win, worked out and played. And he thought it was the coolest thing ever. I thought it was super cool. Now I'm like, hey, I'm going to get on the treadmill. I want to play catch. And he's like, yeah, now it's this thing. And it's like, how do you search for those moments of integration? And here's the other thing. Anybody here, if you're listening to this, and I know you are the same way, think about anything big you've accomplished. And Chris, think of something big you've accomplished. Did you do it? Were you balanced in your pursuit of it? No <laughs> Not way. even close. Not even close. No. But were you harmonious? Yes, I was. Definitely. Yeah. Your wife and kids were probably on board. Now that means you probably can't do it forever, right? You can't be unbalanced like that forever. But you know, we we were unbalanced, but then we take a trip to New York, right? So I go work like crazy, work like crazy, and then we go to our honeymoon in, in, in Spain. Work like crazy, work like crazy, go to our second honeymoon in Puerto Rico and in, in um on a Ritz Carlton cruise. And then, you know, it's like there's there's things that we do to set those goals, but travel together, that helps work together helps big time. And so, you know, do, do we work a lot? Yes. How do I manage it? There's a couple simple rules. It used to be about managing content in that. It's not that anymore. Now it's about managing sleep, salt intake and diet on the road. If I can manage those three things, I'm good. My energy's high there. So that means I don't drink on the road. I don't really drink at home either, but I don't drink on the road. I don't eat at airports or on airplanes, period. Anything on an airport or on an airplane is massive salt sodium. It's unhealthy. The cravings are too much. I am just fasting while I'm traveling, period. Or if I want to bring my protein shakes or I got my Dukes, right? And I'll feed myself something that is that I want and I drink water. So those things, if I don't keep up with that, I look like hell and I feel like hell. But if I do it, I feel great. I know how tough that is as far as trying to stay on the diet when you travel. I spend a lot of time on airplanes. That is tough. That is tough for sure. That was that was one of the tough things with 75 hard. I did 75 hard in six different states. Wow. So that was <laughs> that was a that was an interesting challenge. I think what what is important for people to understand too is the support you get from your spouse and any partner you have. 
in, in, and I've had the pleasure of meeting your wife. She's a wonderful woman. And, and obviously she's the one who, who coordinates the stuff on the back end. You're like me. I don't think you're the, you're probably a lot like me. We're salespeople to an extent that we need somebody to have that back end for us. But I have a very close relationship like that with my wife too. She's a support for me. And, and anytime I say I'm going to do something, she's all in. You do it. You deserve it. You work hard, those things. So I want you just to elaborate a little bit further on what a great support system that's been for you. <clears throat> and also having that her as her CEO, because I want to end as we get closer to about talk about the pivot you had to make in 2020. So let's hear about that support you have as, as far as the growth concerned and and understanding how that relationship works and then kind for of sure. Well, there. support comes in two areas. <clears throat> one, the first one was Jenny, actually. So Jenny came from a very big organization, big bank, and um, the president, <coughs> excuse me, the, the president when the pandemic hit, um, the president of that, that company uh, offered, said, you should probably talk to Renee. And I had just lost 100 events, so we had no revenue. We had nothing. We didn't have the budget to hire somebody. But when I saw this talent, I was like, this is the person that you need to grow with. This is the person you need. And we, I, my, my business coach went out and interviewed her. And she came back to me and goes, here's her job description. Here's her comp package. Figure it out. You're hiring her. I was like, okay. That's like three times more than I've ever paid anybody. Uh, and even more than that. And we did it. It was the best decision we've ever made. Jenny is, is a godsend. And then when I met Maddie, she, she came around and she was just, she instantly bonded with Jenny and she started seeing that, you know, Jenny was beating her head against the wall because I wasn't getting a bunch of stuff done. I was busy traveling and working and doing the stuff understandably. But, you know, I remember our first date, one of our, not first date, one of our dates, and I was going to cook for her. And I set her on the counter, give her a little glass of wine. And I was going to show off and cook. And she looks and she goes, all right, hold on. I'll be right back. And we're just a couple months into this. And she grabs the iPad and I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, I go, I'm, I'm done working. I'm here to cook for you. You know, I'm trying to be sexy. <laughs> and she's like, no, go ahead and cook. We're going to work a little bit. I'm like, work. What are, you, what are you doing? I'm like, she goes, Jenny sent me a list of 30 things you haven't done. Now she doesn't work for me. And I'm like, Jenny sent you a list. I'm like, excuse my language, I'm not fucking working right now. We're, this is, I've, I've worked for the last six weeks. I want to cook for you. She goes, trust me, just, you just keep cooking there and let's keep going. She starts asking me questions five minutes until I'm just resentful, making the salad, seasoning the steak, and I'm just pissed off. And, and she's just asking me question after question, 25 minutes into it, we go through the 30 items and she's like, see, don't you feel better? Puts it away and grabs a glass of wine. And she goes, now we can enjoy dinner fully. And I was just wrapping up the meal. I'm going, holy shit, she gets this work thing. And yeah, we got a bunch of stuff done. Jenny was like crying so happy. And that's when I knew I'm like, okay, she needs to run this business because things just get done when she's around. They do. I've witnessed it yeah. firsthand. They do for sure. Yeah. No, Renee, come on. You got to go here. You're yeah. They just no, get done. Yeah. She, she's dialed in there. And I think it's, a, and what I want people to hear from that too, though, is that 2020, was crazy for you. It could have gone the other way real fast. You pivoted and adapted. You made the necessary changes and you came through that. And now you're reaping some of the benefits of that. But we're in another situation right now in the mortgage and real estate industry. We're seeing things change all around us. 
companies are closing, markets are tighter. There's a lot of negativity out there. That story res could resonate <laughs> with a lot of people who are in that same boat right now. Pipelines are way down. So I, I want to address that as we get ready to close. How powerful is that to control the narrative around you? And, and give, I want Renee, I want Renee to speak that out there and what's, what's important for us to listen. What's to interesting. It. I just got off the phone with an economist. I, he and I spoke at an event together, a CEO event, and he called me. He's like, he's, he's launching his business. I mean, he does 40 gigs a year. He used to do 80. I mean, he's a, he's a younger guy, but he's smart as hell. I was listening to him. He spoke before me and this guy's smart. And, um, we were talking and he said, I said, what do you know about like what's happening in the mortgage and real estate industry? And, He's like, you know, re residential follows commercial by about a year. So there's no issues right now until 2025, 2425 for the mortgage industry. But it is a business cycle. He goes, what I help people do is understand where they are in the business cycle and teach them that it's counterintuitive. When you're at your peak, that's when people start investing. But when they're at the peak and the apex of your business cycle is when you need to start tightening up. And when it drops, that's when you invest. And that's when you go forward. That's the time that you take market share. That's the time when you get leaps and bounds ahead against your competition. Now, I've known that and believed that for years, which is why when the pandemic hit, I thought, okay, well, no one's going to do shit now. I guess I get to run while everyone else is walking and or even standing still. And that was an approach I took in basketball, too. If I can, it was my, you said, run when everyone else is walking, sleep when everyone else is partying, practice when no one else is. And I was like, that just kind of is a mentality I have. And so, we did that during the pandemic, lost a hundred events, didn't have any business. We started giving away free things. We mastered the studio concept, right? And see if the, we'll see if one of these works here. And we, we started adding all sorts of, you know, things to, to our, our stuff. And, um, well, you can't really see it there. Can you, uh, that's if, oh, there it is. Can you see that? I can see yeah. it. Yeah. You know, so yeah. we added all sorts of, um, things to the zoom experience and, you know, studio, this is our third rendition of the studio. And, and that created a lot of the momentum I think that you're talking about was being able to do things when nobody else was and trying to really live our values during that time. And so during a downtime, that's the call for leadership. And you talked about narrative. The narrative is how we construct reality. And the narrative is the story we tell. And the narrative is trying to be owned by the, 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 the media and politicians. And their narrative is not serving business right now. It's serving votes and whatever the media is trying to sell. And so they're trying to capture attention. You have to be the leader. You have to be the one that controls the narrative. You have to, and if you don't understand the narrative and if you don't believe in it, then you better educate yourself on the opportunities that lie within your industry because there are opportunities. You need to be a good speaker and good communicator and somebody who's believable so that when you share your views, people listen. Because if you're not effective in how you communicate, then guess what? Your competition, someone else will be. And they will capture the attention of your people and people will leave you, period. That is very true. I'm using everything I learned right now to attract the right people to our business. And it's been very powerful to be able to use those tools in that manner. So as we close out, Renee, I want to make sure everyone knows where and, and how to get in touch with you. I'll make sure it's in the show notes as well. But if you want to go in on that for me real yeah, quick. Yeah, I mean, our website, meet Renee, M-E-E-T, Renee, R-E-N-E.com. And probably the best thing to follow would be our, our Instagram uh, is learn with Renee, R-E-N-E, Renee. Uh, and same, it's uh, 
yeah, follow there and every all our links are there. So it's pretty easy. Everything is there. There's tons of, of great content, regardless of what field you're in. There's great, uh, it, it, buy the book, buy the book, buy the book. I'm telling you, uh, the acronym love in the book is worth the price of the whole book. If you learn the acronym love and understand how to use that, your relationships at home will get even yeah. better. I use them on a daily basis. That was my favorite part of the whole book. Just Love it. if you didn't get that from what I, I just said. In, but in our, on, our, Renee, on our social media, we do two videos a day now too. So they're they're all learning videos. So they're designed to give you tips and tools. And so it's, it's pretty cool how we've designed it. Yeah, it's really cool to watch all that and see how you've grown those accounts as well. Renee, it's been my pleasure. Man, what an honor to have you on my show. And I cannot wait to get this out there and share with everybody. I appreciate you, man. You're one of a kind, brother. And uh, I appreciate you, the inspiration that you are. Keep doing what you're doing. And I'd say even push harder because, man, like the, the things that I watch you do and the, the no excuse view of the world that you have is just something that it's, uh, it's near and dear to me. So I love you, man. And thanks for having me on. Thank you for tuning into the One Hand at a Time podcast today. If you like what you heard please share and subscribe we'd love to hear some feedback from you as well you know often i'm asked if i'm available for one-on-one -on -one coaching and the answer most of the time is yes i've set up a calendly link in the show notes that you can click on and set up a 30-minute free call with me i'm also available for speaking opportunities thanks again for listening and i hope you have a wonderful day and remember as we move forward in life we do it one hand at a time